Greetings to everyone, wherever you're at. Hope you're having a good day. So I, I didn't have a, too much uh, planned in the way of a talk title, so I thought up something at the last minute that everybody can feel free to ask questions about, and I'll do my best. And uh, the title is Questions on Emptiness. The teaching, teaching of emptiness, things are empty. Ultimate teaching, and it's also a path quality of the Buddha Dharma. So, uh, Sanskrit word you, if you've been studying for a while, you probably know is shunyata. Emptiness. So, but it's not a relative emptiness. It is ultimately empty. That does not mean that it abandons relativity. So if you have questions on that, let's start with that. How about the most intelligent person in here asking a question first? Can you raise your hand? <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about the, the best looking person in here? How about the person with the best question on emptiness? Yes, I have a question. Sounds good. What is the difference uh, when we talk about the emptiness teachings and the third turning or Tathagatagarbha teachings, bowing? So there's lots of ways of talking about that, as you know. There's just countless words been put together on those and people saying they understand, they claim, and I'm not here to dispute anyone. If you claim it, then what will I do? I'll say, okay, do it that way. But the way it looks here is that it can show up uh, in all kinds of different ways. That's why it's empty. Not because it's empty, empty, empty. It's because it's empty of any particularity. Sure looks like it's full of stuff. Sure looks like right and wrong should be, shouldn't be, kind and mean, certainly looks that way. And you'll notice how quickly, not you particularly, but perhaps you are quick to jump to a conclusion about anything if it will save you from not knowing what the hell is going on, which is a kind of emptiness. You want to fill it up with something. What we know, what it should be, and what they did, what they shouldn't have done. Look what they did. Look what they just. What should I do? What should I do about that? We're constantly rotating around in relative truth, looking for some result. This is why the sitting practice of meditation is so powerful over time. So as far as third turning teachings, these are pointing to Buddha nature, and it's just a way of talking about the ultimacy relative term, ultimate, as opposed to relative, but uh, about talking about the, the more than likely experiential quality that can show up. Not necessarily experiential, because there's no real experiencer anymore. The, the path quality is more about, our second learning is more about working with emptiness so that you eventually <clears throat> the grasping at other 
uh, the grasping in itself is empty of a grasper, empty of something grasped. Lots of ways of talking about it. Third turning teachings, and that's something I know that you've studied quite a bit. Chaitan, specific questions in that area? Chaitan buying. Um, the word shunyata, is that a third turning teaching, bowing? Depends on how it's used. If it's used, if it's used as some kind of, this is correct or this is right, uh, then uh, it might be a second turning or still some kind of path quality happening. But if it, but if it's used as uh, just what it is, it's just something that's just empty of your imputation about it or your conclusion about it, empty of any kind of singularity that is arising, uh, then it could show up as third turning. And I would also say, if there are any of you scholars out there, and I know there's a few, because I recognize a few of you, want to come in and hang your hat on a hook. In other words, uh, take this up with me as a discussion. Uh, I'm always ready. You might find that I don't argue, though. She is unbowing. The second tenet of the order of immediate light is something along the lines of the form that consciousness finds as empty as it appears and full as it is. What is the emptiness of how something appears, bowing? So it appears, and it's empty of any kind of... Uh, singularity that's showing up as that other quality, uh, uh, some uh, boots covered with snow uh, in January, just inside uh, the threshold. It's, it's there, and it's, but it's empty of what, of how it appears. It appears, but it's empty of that appearance. More? Is that um a, a relative emptiness bowing? No. So it has a relativity to it. This is why it's so challenging and why no matter how we twist this or turn it, we can't actually get uh, realization out of it. We might get a highfalutin form of, of uh, even uh, techno speak around that in terms of uh, all of the teachings, the, the teachings that you were studying, the third turning teachings. We might get a lot of material around that that makes it look like somebody knows something and I don't quite get it yet. Or, she is unbind. The second part of that is that the form consciousness finds is full as it is. What's the difference between as it is and how it appears, bowing? Well, it appears as uh, some kind of otherness. And if it's not pure appearance, then it's contaminated by ideas, opinions, judgments, evaluations, conclusions, uh, all the different, uh, the whole ballpark full of spectators. It's, it's contaminated by that. And it's not wrong. It's just, it's just uh, contaminated in the way of emphasizing the singularity, the correctness of this, as opposed to the, the mistakes being made over here. It's just... It's so incredibly seductive to, to actually conclude that you could be right or wrong about anything, ultimately. You can be right and wrong about things relatively, 
but that's the mundane path. Not that you don't have to walk the mundane path for a while, but at some point, the idea here with a spiritual path is you actually transcend uh, your own footprints. Choto. Choto Valley. Is emptiness something that shows up in the first turning teachings? You know, idea of a self. There's no self in this this. I mean that. Provisional teachings. There's no one there. And somebody can actually see that and discover that and start understanding that in a, in a way of seeing that, that everything they thought they were is not exactly that way. But it's not realization. Still, still work to be done, so to speak, or practice to be done. Um, sometimes it's talked about uh, empty of self, empty of other. What is that? What do you think it is? You've been studying it. So empty, empty of, uh, uh, empty of self, empty of other. So. Is, is that distinction of that teaching show up in the second turning? Like, is, is the first turning just the empty of self? As far, as far as I understand it, I'm not saying it couldn't show up in other ways, but as far as I understand Further questions? What's the ultimate fullness of emptiness? So everything, once the emptiness is seen, then the third turning is everything comes back as it is, it's completely full of what it is, not separate. So the, the, we're, there's no longer an argument with the, the uh, apparent uh, itemization of things. You can, you, can itemize, you can do anything you want. You can itemize things. You can do anything you want with it. So you're free of any elaborations that are happening there in terms of what is appearing or what is, what is uh, it's just full rather than it's empty, which is a kind of a nihilistic approach, you could say. So if, if it look, starts looking particular, then what are we doing to it? If it starts looking particular? Yes. What are you doing with the particularity? Yeah, so that, that increases that. So the particularity is not the problem. The singularity is not the problem. The problem is we want something else. We want it to stop doing this and start doing that. We want it larger, smaller, uh, less red, more orange, more, 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 less, less, less. Passion, aggression, and ignorance. Emptiness is there. Is emptiness there? Is emptiness there? Just a trick question. You know the answer to this. I don't know. Oh, good. Then I'll answer. That way I can't be wrong. What was the question? 
Is it there? Is emptiness there? Emptiness is a concept that is pointing to endeavoring. It's a teaching that points to uh, our grasping at this as a, and our rejecting that and, and points to that situation because we, we impute or we give some kind of credibility on the positive side to this and on the negative side. So we're picking and choosing, picking and choosing. And it's not that they're relative, relatively things aren't um, uh, fragrant or smelly. I'm saying that. We're just saying that they are, that, that those are, not, are only separated by our mind. We separate them out. Thank you. Does the fullness have an appearance? It's, uh, we describe it that way because uh, there isn't anything else to do. There's nothing else to fix. Uh, not, things have not, we don't have to hang on to some kind of empty of uh, self, empty of other, empty, empty. We don't have to hang on to that as some kind of a something that will protect us from being flooded with passion, aggression, ignorance, or um, some kind of warfare. It's just full, so there's nothing separate there anymore. That doesn't mean that the separations don't show up as they are, but the fundamental understanding is not separate. It's full. It's full, and it uh, has other characteristics that could be we could talk about also, like really nice. That would fit for Rumi, wouldn't it? So. Kevin, you have a question? You always know. As you describe fullness, is that another way of talking about luminosity? Yes. Yes. What, what is luminosity, Bowing? The absence of maintenance. Nothing is maintained. At least that's how it looks here. Unio. Unio As we work with uh, particularly negative emotions, is there something that, a phrase or something that we can use uh, with the understanding of emptiness that can help us through some difficult times? There might be a, a Tisha's Seven Points of Mind training has all kinds of slogans in there. You might find one in there that you could repeat, um, but you might uh, keep it very simple. There's no, there's no solid self. Uh, whatever the emotion is, there's no one who feels that way. You can't find the, can't find the person who is angry. You can find anger; it's intense and it wants revenge or it wants satisfaction or it wants to find out who the hell did this and why am I feeling this way. I don't deserve this or all the other things that show up. But that's about someone who is dealing with the energy of anger, which is dependently arisen and personalizing it. I mean, there's someone who has that feeling, someone who's being put upon. And the thing, the, the thing that one of the issues with that is there's, there's a body-mind construct here, uh, organism that this, uh, this consciousness is working with and through and we feel like we're somebody. We feel like we are a body, as co uh, 
Dogen Zenji said in the 13th century, way back then, way back then, he said, drop off body and mind. He didn't mean get rid of the body. He said, he's talking about the attachment to the body as you, as someone. The attachment to the mind as me, my mind, my thoughts, what I think, what I should do, what I shouldn't do, what's right, what's wrong. Lose it. Drop off body and mind. Profound teaching and not something you can just say, well, I didn't thought about that. So, Dogen, you think, I mean, I could just drop off body and mind, that would be it. It might take uh, most of your life to understand that teaching. Or not. Perhaps not. Depends on how much work has happened before you showed up here. Doesn't mean that the mind there, the mind is chattering all the time. You don't have to stop your mind. You don't have to stop your thoughts. Some, some teachers say you need to do that. What's that phrase? You're begging for something? No, it's a begging word. Oh, beg to differ. Yeah, the, that begging word. Not to stop anything. You don't have to manipulate, change anything. It's awareness. Awareness, awareness, which is not a person, not a self. And if it's anything, it's the Buddha. No. You might think you have, but it's not necessary to empty your ego or empty yourself. Not necessary to, to do anything with it. Just be aware of it. And then it's then it's a. If it needs emptying, it'll empty. If it needs to fill back up because of dependent origination. It'll fill back up. Your job, I would put it in a very blunt way, being your employer right now for the next three seconds, is to just observe. That way you'll get your paycheck at the end of the week. Just observe. No conclusion. And if you conclude, then just observe the conclusion. Don't fight with a conclusion that comes up spontaneously that is dependently risen. People are swamped by, by thoughts they think they're having. You're not having thoughts. Thoughts are having you. I'm not saying this makes it all hunky-dory and you can, you can face uh, anything, face losing a job, losing a a family member, uh, having your own health fall apart, where your own life is threatened. I'm not saying those aren't happening. I'm just saying they they are relatively, incredibly real, but they are ultimately untrue. As has been said way before I got here, what is real is is not threatened. What is absolutely, fundamentally real and valuable and Buddha. Can't threaten that. That is your true nature. Don't believe anything I say. It's not important to believe it. Who's that? How does relative emptiness help us to see ultimate emptiness? Just as it's a, an example. The, the there's nothing in the nothing in the this Tibetan gong, nothing inside. Just air. But we see that, so we can use that. Just like the dream we have at night is a, a sample dream that shows us that this is an illusion, this is a dream. So the, the relative emptiness gives us an idea how we can move that emptiness into our grasping at 
some actual quantity or content in something see that it's at, it is empty of our ideas or our suggestions or interpretations or conclusions about that. So it is, but it is full as it is. If you see, if you see what it is, one of the ways of talking about this, if you're ready to hear it, is you're looking at yourself because you're not separate from anything. That's why it's called like a mirror. It's very much like a mirror, except a mirror is an object uh, that you know what a mirror does. You look at the mirror and you see yourself in it. But it's, this is mirror-like in that it's not just a mirror, it is like a mirror. But it's the fundamental situation is addressed that way because that's how it may appear to you. But, but that's still a path. For fruition, there isn't anything else. There isn't anything but you anywhere. There, is, there isn't even a you. There's no one, no self, no solid being. But it's extremely convincing when that grasping itself is reinforced by intense anger or intense fear. Huh, I don't know if I can do this or not. This is too frightening. You may not be able to. You may have to do something else with your life. This path right here is terrifying. I'm not going to soft pedal anything unless you find out of some way to make it feel comfortable. Which you can. You can turn the sitting meditation into a very comfortable, we've all got mindfulness, we're all real happy, a bunch of people, because we're all, we all meditate. Stand up. You're in. Do you have a question? But said it's uh, it's terrifying. Yes. Um, why would we want to walk a path that's terrifying? Yeah. Why would we? Don't you tell you? Because you want the truth, and you're not going to settle for it. At least, if, <coughs> you're not going to settle for anything. You want to know what this is. This is what the Buddha was about. If you, if you have any idea of what actually happened happened to him, his, his, uh, as the story goes, his parents, especially his father, wanted him to just be a king or be a prince. He couldn't do it. He had to go and he had to go into the forest and find out the truth. He found that out. So therefore, 2,500 years ago, we're still talking about what he discovered because you can discover it. But going. Is, is the truth through the uh, terror? It's not separate from it. It's not separate from it. Does that make you grin? It's yeah. You say it's a good point? It's it disappointing. Oh, yeah, it is disappointing. Yeah. What's that other fancy word for that? It sucks. Here we are. Do it anyway. You have you have a powerful. Uh, what is it called? A you know I can think of it as a Pollyanna. That's not one of those. What's it called? Not a polygram. A polymorph. What is it? Huh? Yeah, it's an algorithm. Thanks. Huh? Poly what? Polly Wally. Strange coming from you, Don. <laughs> so it's a it's a model or or a uh, 
algorithm. It's an algorithm for how you could actually understand your life before it comes to a termination. Understand yourself, yourself, not not believing in carved images. This is just to remind us who, who came along and told us this. We're not going to worship this. We bow because we need to pay respect to our Buddha nature, not to a wooden guy or to any images. So this uh, algorithm is uh, we take refuge, we take refuge in the teacher, the Buddha. Take refuge in the teaching, or simply put, everything is dependently arisen. Nothing comes from its own side as a separate individual self or being or object. Dependent, or dependently arisen, teaches on the power. And then there's all the other teachings along with that emptiness teachings, no self, five skandhas, four noble truths, eightfold paths, and so on. And then the last of the Three is uh, the Sangha, the community. More, probably the most important as far as the practice situation. You have to have a teacher. You can't connect. So it has to be a teacher. It has to be the Buddha or it has to be a human being. And then there has to be a teaching. But the one that's often left out is how important the Sangha is. The community of people that come together over and over and over and over again to study these teachings and support each other in understanding them. I was very lucky to have a crazy community, but it was very powerful and very insistent and very consistent. We came together over and over and over again, week after week after week, month after month, year after year, to study what? The Dharma. Did we get anywhere? I can't remember. We did or not, but we did it anyway. Are you tired? Was that yawn because of my talk? It was too. <laughs> it's pretty empty talk. It is pretty empty talk. <laughs> oh, no. I tried to fill it up with various kinds of ice cream, but I don't do that anymore. Ice cream. Further questions? Do that. How is just this not a single singularity? How is what not a singularity? Just this. Because if, if you set it up as a singularity, then it, it, it looks for something else. It looks for a singularity, but then it creates a lack of singularity. It's just more duality. That's why it's difficult. That's why it's not this, not that, not both, not neither. And that's why it's a sandukai, the equality of sameness and difference. All the teachings are trying to take what is seen by someone who sees this and back up out of what they see into the fourth skanda and say, can I talk about this? Perhaps they might say, Asubandu might say, how many verses, my, verses am I going to have to write in order to point out that subject and object are words about something that uh, doesn't particularly care about that duality? Perception. Perception. No perceiver, nothing perceived. You said something like singularity creates not a singularity. So is just this both a singularity, singularity and not a singularity? It, it is if you if you back out of the concept that is describing it that way and just and just and 
just look at it as it is rather than some kind of concepts that helps you sort things out, which is what you have a tendency to do. Right? Don't agree too easily. But didn't you, didn't you? How do we see emptiness without trying to make things look transparent? Well, you can notice that you're trying to do that, but you can also just look at the, uh, the opacity. Look at how opaque everything, the people, rugs, walls, the, the intense uh, presence of otherness is where that's discovered. So just look at whatever shows up, look right at it. And if you can, add nothing to it, what it is, what it isn't, and no evaluations, unless they come up dependently arisen, unless they just come up out of nowhere. You look at some carpeting and say, I really like red carpeting. Or you look at you look at a person's face uh, who's coming at you you've never met before. And you might notice that you immediately project onto them something about them. You have no idea who it is, but something shows up as a projection. Do not disagree with that. Don't agree with it. And don't ignore it. Then you're beginning to see dependent origination without the, the, the filter of personhood, without the validity or judgment of personhood, someone who sees that or someone who feels that way. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just what occurs. Thank you, Bowing. When you said, don't agree with it, don't disagree and don't look away, thinking about trying to do that when something's arising, there's a feeling of being frozen. Like I, I can't move in any direction or I'll miss it. What's is, your question? Is there, um, is that feeling of being frozen doing something with what's arising? Basically what you're, what's happening there is awareness, but then you're, you're having second thoughts about it. Feeling of being frozen is an idea about the awareness rather than the awareness. So I would say no, no repair work there. Don't correct it. Don't add to it. Don't subtract from it. Just notice notice what it is and then notice this, the split second, just to use a, a time index, between the time you experience it and then you name it frozen. My experience with that many years ago was that space became two-dimensional and then i called it that which wasn't incorrect but it slowed things down quite a bit but future bowing does if something is empty does that mean it's not opaque i'm not I, I heard what you said, but I'm not, what is it you want to know rather than, I don't want to use your words to describe what I'm about to say because then it won't look like I'm as lies as I am. I'm not entirely sure, but you use the word opacity to look at how opaque things look. Yes. Um, if I see the emptiness, will it still, could it still look? Okay. Good. Yes. Good. It may. 
So the bake of the word means you can't you can't see into it. Whereas the transparent is you can see through it. You can see on the other side of it, even though it's there, you can see through it. Two words describing some characteristic of phenomena. But even something that's transparent is still phenomena. It's just not fake. But that's how it goes. It needs to be done. We don't want to get rid of the thinking process. But it needs to be done with the awareness, not just thoughts about dreams or thoughts about what we see or exclusions. And so that's an amazing teaching, 2,500 years of intense conclusions about everything. Life is suffering causes desire. That's all. A question from Sarah in Kalamazoo. Yes, Sarah. Are you still in contact with any of your original Sangha? Yeah. There's one right on the screen. John Roadhouse, right at the bottom of the screen. And there's, there's, uh, yeah, there's, I could name more, but he's the only one I can see here. He's just here to keep me in line. So if I say something stupid, he'll remind me later, you know, you shouldn't have really said it that way. Be careful. <laughs> what did I tell you? <laughs> Go ahead. <coughs> She asks, how has the texture of those relationships changed over time? Uh, some of them have totally dropped away. I never hear from them again. And uh, some of them, uh, like John, John and I have been friends for 40, 47 or 48 years. I've been in touch off and on over the years. And then there's a other ones usually people just go their own direction and sometimes if people know me as a just another student and then see me functioning as a dharma teacher especially in a different lineage than shambhala um might have some trouble with that they might think i never really knew anything did he what the hell is he doing sitting up there a pretentious person they could i'm not saying people are doing that but it could be i don't i don't i don't i'm not gonna win a particular Popularity contest. I'm too concerned with it. My fun, my fundamental intention is to help people if they give me permission, and not to convince people I'm uh, a sage or a, a living Buddha. I'm interested in reputation. As as Trungpa Rinpoche, Rinpoche says in the right at the end of the Sadhana Mahamudra, written in 1968 at Tagsong. Bhutan. He said, "May I?" I'm paraphrasing this, but he didn't say, "May I live the life of a, of a tantric master." He said, "May I live the life of a bodhisattva." That struck me when I first read that half a century ago. Bodhisattva, save all beings, put others before yourself. How do you do that? I don't know. I'm still looking at that. Questions? Maria Bowing. Do we maintain when we conclude? Yep. Bowing. 
maintain when we conclude? Yes, do we maintain when we conclude? There's a kind of maintenance there. If we conclude something, it's like an opinion, like, oh, that, that's what that is. And it's not that that doesn't apply. Sometimes we just, we just conclude that the, you know, it's snowing out. So it's a kind of a conclusion. But when I say don't conclude, uh, I know you can't help it. I can't help but conclude, but it brings your awareness more to that area of the, of the mind or the, that is trying to get something, trying to conclude something. So when I say don't conclude, I can't stop concluding. But it's good to be very aware of that aspect of the consciousness that is grasping in, in a very subtle way about coming to a conclusion about something. Because that's just before the actual grasping, the more rough and ready grasping that wants something and demands something and is greedy about something and has to have power. So it starts out with a little conclusion. Someone left the door open. Conclusion. Simple kind of conclusions eventually build up into intense forms of control, manipulation, and abuse of people, including yourself. Less is better. If, if the conclusions are dependently arisen, is there a better way that we can relate to them? So everything is dependently arisen. There's anything that isn't. But so just seeing that things are, this happens and that occurs, and this happens and that occurs, and to slowly observe the, the self-centeredness that wants to align itself with this situation and back away from that one. I like this, but I didn't like that. It seems that it, over time, observing that quality without trying to make make yourself into a, a better, more accommodating, more and more more. Uh, it seems like that kind of takes care of itself. It's like the one of the ways of the three pure precepts, do good, but don't do harm, be with all things. Do good, that's kind of relative. And then we go into all kinds of philosophy about, about what is good, or don't do harm, what is, what might be too much to explain any of that. Be with all things. You could start out with just your own thought, uh, mind stream. Be with that, don't disagree, agree, or look away from it. Be with all things. This is the way we save all beings, because every thought you have is a living being from the point of view of uh, dependent origination. That's where they come from. Where this is where this came from. It might have been from millions of years ago. Here we are. A living being comes out of thought, comes out of uh, uh, a source that is unsourceable. We can't find that source. I'm watching myself on the screen back there. Is a time delay? Is that deliberate to, to make me feel more comfortable? Another question? Just one more? Go ahead. Show bowing. Um, what keeps us from seeing our conclusions? Sure, it shows up different ways. Just basically ignorance, ignoring what it is, or conclude, or having a conclusion about the conclusion, like some kind of doubling up on it. 
gives us some kind of artificial temporary confidence about it. Does it connect with what you're asking? Yes, sir. Don. Don Bowing. Does emptiness go beyond dependent origination? No. Uh, emptiness is dependent origination. Don Bowing. So is emptiness contained within dependent origination? No. No. Um, Don Bowing. Is emptiness contained at all? Is emptiness dependent on anything? No. Mm. All right, you got me there. No. Talking mm. about does emptiness arise simultaneously? What do you mean by emptiness? You're using the word. You must know what it means. I'm trying to work out what the word means. Okay, good. What was your question? Does emptiness arise? Uh, no. It have to be something to arise. That's not it. Well, I was starting to sweat. That's pretty creative, fellow. Yes, Madame. Thank you, Bowing. And we perceive emptiness through the sense fields? I think we get glimpses of that in different ways. Uh, one of the, I'll just characterize it this way. One of the ways of, of seeing emptiness is to someone walks through the door and has a, a grouchy look on their face and we immediately project onto them they're, they're, they must be mad because of what I said about them or to them yesterday. And as they come closer, you start to get ready to apologize. And then they say, I'm not feeling very good today. You realize they just have heartburn. So you, it, you're, that is empty of your projection. It's untrue. So it's empty. Your projection was right there. You thought this was true. And you were working with it. You were getting, you're preparing your speech or your apology. And you realize it, not thinking about that at all. Just a very simple way of talking about I'm empty of what you impute or what you think. That is true with everything. That's a very simple relative one that you can point to. But that's true of if you look over here and think and have ideas about who I am or what I am or this is about empty. It's empty. What is actually here is empty of your imputation. Same direction here is empty of any imputation I have. So what's happening if I'm not imputing things? Is it possible to just not impute? Not do some guesswork on what's happening? It's a rhetorical question, therefore you have to answer it. You ever heard of Rhett Butler? Me? Told you about Rhett Butler before. I don't know. Sounds <laughs> he was in Gone with the Wind. His full name was Rhetorical Butler. 
That's how it was in the song. I'll do anything for attention. Sir? If emptiness is dependent origination, why frame it two different ways? What are you accusing me of? How do you mean? Two different ways. If emptiness is dependent origination, why are there two teachings? Because emptiness is a teaching, and it depends on uh, it depends on how that's being used as a teaching. Things are empty of what you think they are, but they're also empty of emptiness. Form is empty. Emptiness is also form. The same is true of feeling, perception, concept. You, you can't find the reference. So we start out with one like emptiness, and then that takes us down into that labyrinth where you can't particularly calculate anything. You're starting to smile, is that good? <laughs> where are we at time-wise? Are we at the end of our... Take a couple more questions if there are some. On value? Just on. What's the relationship between emptiness and totality? Value? So, the totality, of course, is a positive way of talking about uh, uh, the Buddhist teachings. It's a, it is a teaching, has been said before, of totality. It's a positive way of saying it. So, same thing. Emptiness is, is just to encourage any of us, for you or me or anyone, to, to look into what we think things are. Whether it's right or wrong, up or down, back or forth. What, what they fundamentally are, just to try to help us see that. They're empty of any idea that you have about it. Any more? I'll give you one more chance if you want to. Another question, Kevin. You got another question? Got me again. <laughs> um, when you say that luminosity doesn't need to be maintained, is that the same as not making a demand on what we perceive? Bowing, no. yes, no demand, no demand. If there's any demand at all, you've got there's issues dealing with uh, suffering dealing with the 12 links on the chain of existence, but just throws another um, snarl in the whole thing. Instead of just being, just respecting dependent origination, since we're here and we're, we're living beings, instead we, we try to squeeze somehow some kind of happiness out of the relativity we see in front of us. And no demand. If something comes to you, enjoy yourself. If something goes away, enjoy yourself. Somebody comes back, enjoy yourself. When I say enjoy, I'm not just talking about pleasure, but the fundamental, uh, as it says in the first reminder, free and well favored. You're free, you're a human being. This, the Buddha's already said this is suffering, so we know there's some difficulty, but you're free. You're free to 
be here and be a living being. So far, uh, we're not locked up in a some kind of a gulag or something. Well favored in that we're not clogged up with a bunch of ideas about what life is about and things we have to believe in. Otherwise, we're going to cave of demons. So it doesn't mean that there isn't difficulty, or frustration, or suffering. Life is suffering. Ivan Bowing? Yes. Is emptiness the same as transparent thoughts? You know, there, there might be something to that. The emptiness that's talked about is uh, empty of our ideas about it. So if you're using transparent thoughts, transparent are still thoughts. So somewhat the way you're the way you're asking the question, I would say you can stay with that. If you can, if you can use that to approach emptiness, then it would be all right to do it that way. The way I see it. Okay. Thanks. Certainly. Okay. okay, we'll dedicate the merit and we'll uh, empty out the zendo. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.